Greetings. This is Bible Time with Jane, and I am Jane, your host. We are continuing our series in the book of Acts, and today we will look at chapter 5, verses 11 through 25. Let us read this passage together. So great fear came upon all the church, and upon all who heard these things. And through the hands of the apostles many signs and wonders were done among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. Yet none of the rest dared join them, but the people esteemed them highly. And believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they brought the sick out into the streets and laid them on beds and couches, that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. Also, a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities to Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all healed. Then the high priest rose up, and all those who were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees, and they were filled with indignation, and laid their hands on the apostles and put them in the common prison. But at night an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go, stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard that, they entered the temple early in the morning and taught. But the high priest and those with him came and called the council together with all the elders of the children of Israel and sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came and did not find them in the prison, they returned and reported, saying, Indeed, we found the prison shut securely, and the guards standing outside before the doors, but when we opened them, we found no one inside. Now when the high priest, the captain of the temple, and the chief priest heard these things, they wondered what the outcome would be. So one came and told them, saying, Look, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple, and teaching the people. The church is in its beginning stages and has already experienced great joy, great sorrow, and the first stages of opposition to the gospel message of Jesus Christ. In our last lesson, we talked about Ananias and Sapphira, who had chosen to lie about the purchase price of their property in order to receive accolades from the church body. However, as we know, nothing is ever hidden from God. And when they brought their monetary gift to the apostles, Peter confronted them with the actual truth of the situation and accused them, each one individually, of lying to the Holy Spirit. The end result is that when they heard Peter's words, they immediately fell down dead. This incident was an excellent wake-up call to the church. Up to this point, the phenomenon of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the joy of the fellowship of the body was all-consuming. However, things will soon become very difficult for the followers of Jesus. I think we understand that with great joy and continued great success, 
Enthusiasm can oftentimes cause us to become, well, maybe not lazy, but less intentional in our faith. You may say, oh, I'm continuing in my Bible reading and prayer time. But the passion and zeal to trust God and obey is not as centered as it has been in the past. In his letter to the church in Ephesus found in Revelation chapter 2, Jesus addressed this very issue. Listen to his words of commendation as well as his rebuke and counsel. He writes, I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. And you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent and do the first works, or, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent." you will notice the words of Jesus. He, he commended them for doing all the things, all the right things. They, they did the right works and they, they worked hard and they were patient and, and they, they were discerning and they persevered. But they had gotten just a little bit off-centered. Their, their passion, their zeal had begun to become just a little bit mm, complacent. Have you been experiencing a certain complacency in your faith lately? Or a basic contentedness in your walk with Christ that has left you drifting just a little, just a very little? Then humble yourself before your Savior who loves you so much and confess it to him. Establish him as your first love once again. Well, in our passage today, we know that what happened to Ananias and Sapphira was just the wake-up call that the church needed. Verse 11 tells us that great fear came upon the church. Now, this was not a fear that would drive them away, but rather a holy fear, a certain awe and respect of God. Their hearts and minds were humbled before the holiness, the power, and the glory of Almighty God. And I think they fell in love with Jesus just a little bit more. So the church continued to grow. And great and mighty things were happening. And as the scripture says, many signs and wonders were done among the people. In the early days of any new work or special ministry, God oftentimes confirms the gospel message of his servants with certain signs and wonders and miracles. And then once faith has been established, the teaching of the word becomes the primary focus and the works of miracles will fade into the background. But we are still in these early formative years of the church and incredible things were happening. The church was growing daily. Verse 14 says, 
and believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. Oh, I love that. Have you ever been around someone who's just recently received Jesus as Lord and Savior? Their joy and faith is so contagious. Just imagine that joy and enthusiasm multiplied a hundredfold day by day. That kind of joy and power cannot be contained. Nor could the testimony of what God was doing in the midst of the church be silenced. We read in verses 15 through 16 that people would bring their loved ones to the apostles so that they might be healed, just like they had done with Jesus. Sick people were healed. Those who were demon-possessed were delivered and healed. The people throughout the land knew that these men, who had been with Jesus, had a connection with God and power that could not be denied nor ignored. In fact, they were so convinced of the power to heal that the scripture says they brought the sick out into the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. Well, Dr. Ironside gives us a little bit of understanding into this. He writes, Even today, people in the Middle East imagine a man's shadow carries his influence, and parents will run to draw their children away from the shadow of someone they dislike, while on the other hand, some, uh, should some honored person pass by, they will endeavor to have the children come within his shadow hoping thereby to bring good fortune on them. These people were so impressed by the power that Peter possessed that when he was passing along a certain street or road, they brought their sick into the streets so that his shadow might fall upon them. Well, the people all around had heard about the ministry of Jesus. I'm I'm sure that many had personally seen and or maybe had even experienced the power of Jesus during his earthly ministry. Remember, the event that is before us in our passage today is only a few short weeks from the time of Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection. Jesus had been a very popular man, both throughout Israel and even in other regions like Sidon and Tyre. But Tyre, so hearing about and seeing his apostles doing the same kind of ministry works of teachings, healings, and deliverance from the power of demons once again helped to confirm the truth about what Jesus had said about himself and what the apostles were now teaching them. You know, we should not take lightly the influence that we have on others. Peter's influence in the name of Jesus, was so great that multitudes came uh, to be touched by him and even just to fall under his shadow. What about our influence? Are we so walking with God that people would like to come in contact with us? Or is there so little of Christ about us that 
we are so self-centered and worldly that no one would think of bringing people within our influence to be blessed and helped? Yes, there is a shadow influence today. Dr. Ironside adds this intriguing thought. I wonder if we know anything of the shadow ministry. As people come in contact with us, even if we do not utter a word, is there something about us that makes them say, the more I see of that person, the more I want to know God? Well, as can be expected, as the power of God is revealed and the message is being accepted and believed, the high priest and Sadducees were stirred up. In fact, the Bible says that they were filled with indignation. Why? Because once again, Jesus, through the ministry of his apostles, was more popular among the people than they were. Remember that these were the same men who paid Judas, one of Jesus' disciples, 30 pieces of silver to betray him into their hands so that they could get rid of Jesus. They were the ones who went to great lengths to make sure that Jesus would be dead and gone. They gathered together false witnesses to lie and slander and blaspheme Jesus. They held illegal court proceedings to drum up charges against him. And then they took him to Pontius Pilate and with new charges that Rome had to honor, calling for the death penalty, death on a Roman cross. They thought they had gotten rid of their problem. However, they did not count on the power of God, nor believe Jesus' words when he said that he would rise again. Now his disciples, being filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, were doing the same kinds of mighty works that Jesus had done. And they were teaching everyone who would listen about Jesus, his life, death, and resurrection, that he is Christ, the Son of the living God. So in their minds, they needed to do something to stop this before they completely lost their power and control over the people. So they had all twelve of the apostles arrested and put in the common prison. And once again, they were completely ignoring the power of God in their midst. The Bible says that on that very night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out. You know, I think at this point we can see that God has a sense of humor. Remember that verse 17 tells us that it was the Sadducees in particular who had the apostles arrested. One of the things about the Sadducees that is very interesting is that they did not believe in angels. So God sent an angel to release the apostles from prison. Yes, God cannot be put into a box of our own making. God is God, and he rules over all the earth we would be wise to remember that. When the angel released the apostles, he gave them a command. Go, stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. 
And that is exactly what they did. First thing in the morning. The temple was always filled with people early in the morning as they came to pray before the beginning of their day. And it was a perfect time to teach them about the scriptures. And and now they also spoke about Jesus, their Messiah. What was that message? Well, once again, let's turn to the word of God for a short example of that testimony. In 1 John chapter 5, verses 9 through 13, John writes this, If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which he has testified of his Son. He who believes in the Son of God has a witness in himself. He who does not believe God has made him a liar, because he has not yet believed the testimony that God has given of his Son. And this is the testimony, that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. These things I have written written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 4, the Apostle Paul clearly lays out the gospel message. He writes, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel, which I preached to you, which also you received, and in which you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I deliver to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. And in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11, I, this is a favorite passage of mine because it clearly reveals uh, Jesus, what he has done to purchase our, our salvation and the way God has glorified him. This passage reads this way, Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taken the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. While the apostles were busy teaching the people who had gathered for prayer, 
The Sanhedrin had gathered in order to hold another mock trial and bring charges against the apostles. But when they sent the guard to bring the apostles to them, they were not in their prison cell, even though the doors were shut securely with guards in place at the prison door. (laughs) Surprise! Only God could have delivered these men. So complete was the miracle that no one could deny that God's power was behind it. This should have been a wake-up call that maybe there was something greater at play here. And actually, one of the members of the Sanhedrin, Gamaliel, will bring that up later in this chapter, but for now, they must have been amazed and frustrated, angered, dismayed, when they found out that not only were the apostles missing from the prison cell, but they were already at the temple teaching and preaching about Jesus in direct contradiction to their command. And that is because the apostles were obeying the higher command of God. If you remember, just before Jesus ascended to heaven, He gave his disciples what we call today as the Great Commission. In Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20, we read this. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. They, the apostles, and you and me, are called to be his witnesses in word and in deed. This is exactly what the apostles were doing. They were fulfilling and obeying God's calling on their lives. We need to learn a lesson from this. To obey Jesus will sometimes be easy and filled with joy and peace. But sometimes to obey Jesus will come at a great personal cost. One commentator makes the following observation. Their boldness serves a model for us. We should courageously proclaim the message of Christ as the Spirit creates opportunities for us. The angel of the Lord gave the apostles a command that, when followed, would lead to a brutal flogging. If that strikes you as odd, it is probably because of the prevailing idea among many believers that obedience inevitably leads to blessing, defined as a problem-free, blissful existence. Serious students of the Bible know, however, that obeying God often results in pain and suffering. They also recognize that being persecuted for Christ is a deeper kind of blessing. So, let me ask you this. 
What biblical commands, if obeyed, might result in discomfort for you today? Will you commit to live them out anyway? That is a challenge. So let me encourage you with these words from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 6 through 13. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which he has given to us in Christ Jesus before time began but has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, to which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. For this reason, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. Hold fast the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. Do you remember the words from Revelation 2 that we read earlier? When Jesus said, and you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary? Well, if we remain faithful, holding fast to our first love, this is also what he promises in Revelation chapter 3, verses 20 through 22. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Heavenly Father, we are moved by the faithfulness of the apostles that no matter what came to them, they never stepped away from the testimony of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We see them with great joy continuing the ministry that Jesus began, the ministry of healings and deliverance and teaching the word of God. The ministry of the testimony of the gospel of Jesus Christ, Jesus who, who transforms lives and forgives sins and heals and restores the broken spirit, Jesus who is the intercessor between God and men, Jesus who is Redeemer, 
who has purchased his, us with his own blood. Jesus, in whom is the resurrection and the life. Jesus, in whom there is hope and a future. Jesus, who is God and who is also our constant companion. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. We thank you that you've given to us this testimony. And we thank you, O God, for the calling that you have placed upon our lives to be witnesses to others so that they might know the risen Lord and Savior, that their lives might be transformed by your power and by your authority with great joy. Heavenly Father, I pray, make us your witnesses, faithful in word and deed, to all that you send to us. And we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, until next time, my friend, may you share with boldness the wonderful testimony of Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. And may God bless you richly. Amen.